Hey, good morning. That was funny, Rick. <laughs> Even here in the room. It's good to uh, see you who are here in the room. It's good to be seen by you if you're online. And uh, I want to start this morning uh, this new series by asking you a question. What are you worried about? What are you worried about today? So are you worried about the pandemic? Are you worried about inflation? Are you worried about the cultural divide in our country? Are you worried about tensions with foreign countries like China and Russia, Iran, North Korea? Or maybe your worries are closer to home. Maybe you're worried about a relationship with a spouse or with a family member. Maybe you're worried about your kids, no matter what age your kids may be. Maybe you're worried about health-related things other than pandemic, or jobs, or finances. Maybe you're thinking, I wasn't worried about anything until now, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> I got an email this morning, it was, this is true, I just opened it up 20 minutes ago, and uh, the, the subject line said, Pastor, are you worried? And I thought, oh, well, this is good. And so I opened the email and said, Pastor, are you worried about preaching boring sermons? <laughs> now I am. <laughs> what I'm finding is I'm talking with folks is that in this season, people are worried about multiple things. Yeah, they, they may have concerns and worries about the pandemic in a broad sense or about the economy in a broad sense, but they're worried about their own lives, the things that they're dealing with. They're worried about their kids and, and keeping their kids healthy and safe, but educated and being in schools. They're, they're worried about the, uh, how they keep up with the ever-changing protocols about dealing with this pandemic. We're worried about all kinds of things that really matter to us. So let me ask you another question. On a scale of one to 10, how would you rate your level of worry or anxiety today? One being, you know, I'm really not worried about anything. Things are going okay. I'm, I'm really doing fine. 10 being, I and barely hanging on, I feel completely overwhelmed. So depending on where you are, if you rank yourself kind of seven or above, I want to encourage you to be talking to somebody. When you are feeling that level of stress and anxiety and fear, isolation is not your friend. So if that's where you are and you're not really talking to anybody these days, I would encourage you to find a wise friend to talk to. Talk to one of our pastors. Talk to me or to Pastor Rick or Heather or Dave. Talk to a counselor. Find somebody that you can process your fears and anxieties with if you're not already doing that. In this series, we're going to be talking about life in focus, and we're talking about this idea of the levels of anxiety and stress and fear that people are feeling because those things feel heightened in this season. 
And we know that our faith can be a source of strength and comfort and guidance and wisdom for us in those times. But what this series is not is three simple steps to a worry-free life. That's not what the Bible is about. That's not what our faith is about. There are not easy, simple answers to the difficult challenges of life. It may be helpful for us to remember, though, that worry and anxiety and fear are not unique to the 21st century. Your parents had things they worried about. Your grandparents, their grandparents, their great-grandparents' grandparents, all through the ages, human beings have had reason for worry. It's part of the human condition, and we see it throughout the pages of Scripture as well. So when it comes to fear and anxiety, the message from the Bible about being afraid and being anxious is don't. <laughs> don't do it. Wouldn't it be nice if it were just that easy, right? Oh, okay, don't do it. So I'll just stop. That's not the message of Scripture either. The message of Scripture is that fear, anxiety, worry are natural normal human things, and sometimes useful. Sometimes it's good to be anxious. Sometimes it's good to worry. But what the Bible tries to teach us is that when we live in that, day after day, week after week, month after month, when our lives become consumed with worry and anxiety and fear, that it depletes our life, and we completely lose focus. As we were putting the series together, we came across a Greek word that is translated worry. The word is marinajo, and this word marinajo literally means to divide or to fracture into parts. And as I saw that, I thought, oh, that's interesting. So worry is to the soul what a broken bone is to the body. It's a fracture. It's a break. And it's something that needs to be tended to, to be healed, so that we can move freely and right. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, Jesus is telling his followers, don't Maranaho, don't worry about the ordinary things of life. Don't worry about what you're going to eat and what you're going to wear and those kinds of things. Instead, Jesus says, focus your attention on the kingdom of God. What I found interesting is in the King James Version, in that translation, rather than the word worry, they translated it, give no thought to these things. In other words, don't focus your attention, don't give your thought life to those ordinary things. God knows you need them. He'll take care of them. Instead, focus your attention on the things of God. 
when it comes to worry, what worry does is it blurs our thinking. It distorts it. And I have learned a long time ago and have shared often that fear-based decisions are rarely good decisions. When we have big decisions to make, we want to make decisions that are based in principle, according to our priorities and, and things that really matter. But when we make fear-based decisions, they're rarely good decisions to make. And so as we're unpacking this, I want us to look at an account from the life of the Old Testament prophet Elijah, the greatest prophet in the history of Israel, perhaps. A man who walked with God, a powerful man, both in terms of his conviction and just physical strength and presence. He was a man who was fearless. This is a guy who spoke truth to power. He was not afraid to say to a king or a military leader when they were off course and to challenge them. So we're talking about that guy. That's Elijah, right? But in the 19th chapter of the book of 1 Kings, we see a very different picture of Elijah. Jezebel, the queen, is furious with Elijah. And so she determines that he is going to be killed. He gets word that Jezebel, the queen, wants to kill him, and he goes into full-on panic, and he takes off. He is getting out of Dodge, man. He is running for his life. And he is running and running and running until he reaches full exhaustion. And he lays down in the desert underneath a bush, fear-filled, defeated, and exhausted. And he just wants to die. So picture it. Here's this portrait of this man of God, this faithful follower, this powerful guy, but whose circumstances have now completely overwhelmed him. And as he's laying on the ground, what's recorded about that moment in 1 Kings 19 is that he prays, I have had enough. Lord, take my life. On the scale of 1 to 10, in terms of his fear and anxiety, Elijah was at a 12. He was completely overwhelmed. I have had enough. And in that state, he lost sight of all that God had done for him and all that God had done through him. And all he could see and all he could think about was the cause of his fear and all of the anxiety that that brought up. This powerful man of God reduced to a guy who's laying on the ground saying, I'm done. I'm done. I've had enough. God sends an angel to him. 
because he's not taking care of himself physically. And so this angel comes along and gives him bread to eat and water to drink and gets him revived enough that he can stand up and walks him to a cave, (laughs) which I think is a great image, right? So he goes into his man cave, right? Isn't that what we do, right? We go into a dark place. We go into our, our caves, whether it's your family room or your den or wherever it might be online. We've had enough, and so I'm going to escape into this dark place. Have you ever felt like this? Have you ever felt so discouraged or defeated or overwhelmed by the difficulties and challenges of life? Have you ever felt that way? Maybe you're feeling that way now. And so there we are in this state of mind. All we can think of is negative things. And as we get into that mindset, negative things, and we just, we just want to get relief from those feelings. And so often we turn to negative behaviors. We drink too much or eat too much or uh, tune into porn or, or uh, misuse drugs. Anything to help us deal with the pain. To escape those anxious feelings. Here is Elijah, the man of God, the great prophet, who had lost his focus and he's hiding out in his cave. He had given up on the Lord, but the Lord hadn't given up on him because the Lord never does. And so the Lord says to Elijah, Elijah, I'm going to be speaking to you. Listen for my voice. And what happens next is fascinating. What happens next is a wind comes up. It must be like a tornado type of wind because the Bible says that it rips trees up. It destroys boulders. It's that kind of powerful wind. And Elijah, hearing that outside of the cave, is listening, but he doesn't hear the voice of God. And that wind dies down. And then the earth under his feet begins to shake in an earthquake. Have you ever been in an earthquake? It's so freaky when the, when the ground under your feet is shaking. And so the ground, the whole ground is shaking. And, and Elijah's listening, but he doesn't hear the voice of God in that earthquake. And that earthquake dies down. And then a fire rages outside of the cave. A great fire consuming everything in its path. Like those fires that we're reading about out west. And he's listening in the midst of the fire, but he's not hearing the voice of God. And as I read that story again, I thought, you know, when we are fearful and anxious... What we want from God is something big, something miraculous, right? We want God to do something big that we can't miss it. God, come in, you know, and and do this big thing. And then I'll believe, and then I'll be confident. 
But you know what? If you, we're talking about the story from 1 Kings 19. One chapter before, 1 Kings 18, God had done exactly that in Elijah's life through Elijah. God had done this miraculous thing, this huge thing. You couldn't miss it. Everybody saw it. One day later, he's a guy filled with fear and anxiety who thinks God's abandoned him. Miracles are not the answer. Think about the number of miracles that Jesus' disciples saw Jesus do over his three years of ministry. Think of the numbers of miracles that they saw. And yet, Judas still betrayed him. Peter still denied him. Thomas still doubted him. Miracles are not the answer. So after the fire sweeps through, the Bible says there's this gentle breeze. This gentle breeze. And immediately, Elijah covers his face because he hears the voice of God. And he runs out to the opening of the cave and hears from the Lord. This is such a powerful lesson for us. That in times of stress, in times of doubt, in times of worry, in times of fear, that we need to still ourselves. We need to slow ourselves, slow our minds, our thinking, slow our actions, and listen for that still, small voice of God that wants to speak to us. And in that gentle wind, Elijah hears God ask this question. Elijah, why are you here? Why are you here in this cave? And Elijah goes through and tells him the story. Well, Lord Jezebel, she wants to kill me and, you know, she's going to come down on me. And He's just telling God what happened. And God says to Elijah, I want you to go back the way you came. I want you to go back to your life, Elijah. I want you to get back in the game. I am with you. You are not alone. God refocused Elijah to get his mind off of his worries, off of those fearful things that he's imagining could happen to him, and refocused on trusting God, the God who has always had him, the God who says, I've still got you. The troubles of the world can seem so intense, right? Tornadoes and earthquakes and fires of all kinds. And they can cause us to panic and to be filled with fear. And we miss that still small voice of God. So last week I was talking to one of our members and she was telling me that her daughter 
uh, is in need of a kidney transplant. And we were just talking, and she said, you know, this goes back, because I've, I've known this family for a while, and I said, so remind me, when did this get diagnosed? And she said, oh, didn't I ever tell you the story? I said, I, I don't think so. She said, oh, it was eight years ago. Her daughter had been struggling physically and been to a series of doctors and so forth, and they, they finally got to the right doctor who was able to diagnose this kidney disease. And the diagnosis was devastating. And she said, as we left the doctor's office and got into the car, we both sat there in stunned silence. And I said to my daughter, we need to pray. And she said, the only words that came out of my mouth were, Holy Spirit, be before us. She said, I started the car and I looked and I saw that we were low on gas and so we needed to get to a gas station. So we pulled into the first gas station that I saw and pulled up to the pump and the gas attendant was a woman, an older woman, of a small, older woman, which was odd. So I rolled down the window and this woman looked at me and said, do you know the word of the day? And she said, I don't know what you're talking about. She said, the word of the day is courage. The Lord will never leave you or forsake you. And then went and filled up her tank. It's right, yeah. She rolled up the window, she looked at her daughter, and her daughter said, that's the Holy Spirit. The woman came back around, she rolled down the window, and she said, I, I don't know where that came from. We just got bad news from our, my daughter's doctor. And this woman said, let me tell you about bad news. Over 10 years ago, I was diagnosed with a kidney disease. <laughs> and I'm still here. And she said, this woman just preached at us. There's a line of cars waiting for gas, and this woman's just preaching to us. She said, we drove home <laughs> down 295 in tears. The Holy Spirit was with us, and it's carried us through. It didn't mean all of the problems were solved, but they have that assurance from God and his still small voice. God refocuses us. I want to end, friends, with this reading from 1 Peter. Chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. Listen to what it says. Hear what it says. Take into your soul what this scripture says from 1 Peter. Oh, right, and the band's coming. Forgot to tell you guys. Humble yourselves under the mighty power of God and at the right time he will lift you up in honor. Give all of your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. You are not alone. Fear is not your master. God's got you. Trust him. Trust him.